Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Coleman Had a Dream podcast. Uh, a slightly downbeat, I would say, Coleman Had a Dream podcast, but a still proud Coleman Had a Dream podcast. Uh, I am joined, as always, by Ruth. How are you doing, Ruth? Um, somewhere between a roller coaster and a funk, I think. <laughs> Not quite sure how I'm doing this week, all things considered. <laughs> Um, for the, I was going to say, for those of you who can't see, obviously no one can see because uh, this is not a visual format. But uh, Ruth is currently <laughs> in, in some kind of lovely snowy conditions. And in the background of the little window that I can see has got these big tall green trees outside, like snow gently trickling down. looks very picturesque. It looks very wintry, very Christmassy, Ruth. It's very lovely. It is. Out the window is very lovely. I think it's what it's what's <laughs> going on in my head that's the that's, yeah, that's the, the problem. <laughs> Understandable. It's, it's been a strange it's been a strange couple of weeks, hasn't it? We can't, we can't pretend it hasn't. Um, do you want to share with us how you watched the uh, the England game? I did. I didn't. Oh, good decision. Just on the radio, because I de- I decided I decided I needed to do something different. So having gone to Outlaws. We didn't talk about how I watched the Iran game, actually, because that's quite a ridiculous story. Go on, go on, share, share with the group. So it was at, um, here it was at, here it was at two a.m. and we are. My husband has a new job, so we're, we're in the process of moving into a, a new place connected with his job, and we don't have internet yet. And where it is doesn't have cell service. So the only way I could follow that game was to drive to the nearest point that has cell service, which to say it's a lay-by is a little, that's over-glamouring. It, it's basically a pull-in at the side of a forestry road. So 2 a.m., I'm in all my ski gear, blankets, my uh, Spirit 58 bobble hat on because I need the warmth with my bucket hat on top because I can't not wear my bucket hat, right? <laughs> And I'm watching. I'm watching the game over the cell service on my tiny little phone um, at, at 2 a.m. So by 4 a.m. I was not in a good place that day. So that was. So I decided watching the England game. I had to do something different. So I, you know, have a slightly different karma going on. And the, and actually, Jess Fishlock. I hope she goes into when she stops playing because boy does she shoot from the hip it was great having her her and nathan blake were um with rob phillips i don't know if you heard any of their stuff but blakey's a little kind of bit more mellow and you've got jess firing this stuff out you know not not worried about about who she's offending it was a great it was it was an interesting contrast so actually i listened to the game well, there you are. Um, I'm here to tell you, Ruth, as someone who watched the game, you didn't miss much. Um, we'll we'll talk about the England game, obviously. We're going to talk about the, the, the wide look at the tournament as well as maybe a little nod to the future. I, I watched the game in my local bar, uh, Bar 188, just down the road here. The Dutch game had just finished or was not long from finished. Uh, they'd beaten Qatar. They'd qualified for the next round. So I walked in and not only was everyone jubilant, everyone was absolutely shit-faced. So I walked in with Griff the Dragon. I walked in with my colleague, Dave, and we walked in. And he's been to the bar once with me before, but not for a while. So we walked in, and as the door opened, I had Griff the Dragon with me. And the door, I swung the door open, and I'm not joking now, these five or six blokes just went, Ray! and took Griff off me as if it was the FA Cup and kind of lift, like, slowly, <laughs> did a, like, got their shaky hands out, like, ooh, hey, and people, and I was just like, and Dave looked at me, I was just like, 
I wish I could tell you that this is how people treat me every time I walk into this bar, but this is, <laughs> this is very much a one-off. Um, so everyone was just like, there were people dancing about, and it was just like, well, this is actually a nice distraction. This has kind of taken my mind off the game. Um, obviously, the distraction didn't last long as the nerves kind of whatever else kicked in. But yeah, it was uh, it was an entertaining experience until about the 49th minute when all of a sudden... Uh, the hopes and hopes and dreams came tumbling down a little bit. Let's uh, let's talk about the game. I think well, let's just kind of talk about the goals. I, I don't want to go too far into into too many things. I do want to finish on the tactics a little bit at the end. But I mean, I, I don't know about you, Ruth, but I, I don't think we can have any complaints about the scoreline, really, can we? Oh God, no, no. I mean, it could have. I mean, it could have been worse. Yeah. Um, but I think I think three nil was perfectly reasonable reflection. Of their respective play and quality of the two teams, can't you know? You never like losing to England, but I can't begrudge them that win. They definitely deserved it. Yeah, I mean, looking at the three goals, the the free kick at the start. I mean, I feel, I know it's not the point, but I didn't really. Th- I don't know if you managed to see highlights, or whatever, back Ruth, but I don't. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was a free kick in the first place. I've got to be honest. I think Foden's gone down like you know a sack of the proverbial I didn't think it was a free kick but I suppose I mean it doesn't yeah. really matter they would have scored another way and and you've got you've got to say credit to Rashford it's uh it's an absolutely superb free kick isn't it yeah I mean obviously I have watched the game back subsequently unfortunately for these purposes if nothing <laughs> else um it's yeah it, I mean it's a questionable free kick but I think it was almost something they earned from the run of play as well yeah but you know, I know it shouldn't be like that, but I think sometimes that does happen. And and obviously a wonderful finish. You can't you can't take that away. And it, and, it, and it was building, it was coming. I don't oh, yeah. you know, I, I, like we say, perfectly deserved with the scoreline. Um, I'm, uh, to be honest, I thought the second and third goals, in a lot of ways, summed up our tournament. Um, ben Davis coming inside, trying to be a bit clever. We've just conceded a goal. You know. Don't put yourself under more pressure. Just deal with the situation. I don't want to have a go at Ben because he's been one of our better players in the tournament, but just a bad decision at a bad time. Then the ball's kind of worked its way down the flank a little bit more, and, and Mepham is... I, I, I forget who exactly... But there was one person right directly to his right, and I think he was trying to keep an eye on that person, and then he did a, like a little turn around. It was like, oh, God, there's another one over there. And he was just kind of stuck in no man's land. And it didn't, but he was damned if he did and damned if he didn't there. It doesn't matter which way he went. And of course, Foden's there on hand to, to turn that one home. Again, you know, it's just it's just a silly goal. Yeah. And I think the fact that we, you know, there's a much bigger picture thing going on here. But you know, the fact that two games in succession, we, we conceded two, ga- two goals right after each mm. other when we are notionally meant to be core against and I think it's notional at the minute clearly um but I I was a bit concerned that we weren't able to keep our heads in those two situations I think there's some you know that's part of all of the big bigger picture questions and issues we've got going on at the minute um and then moving on to the third goal of course I mean you can't you you can't say that isn't anything but well I mean they're built up but you that in reality it's a goalkeeping error isn't it yeah, I mean, again, that that set that third goal is actually we've we've hit a long ball forward to no one. We've kind of gambled on the second ball, not won it for the millionth time. Wide open space in midfield. The ball quickly gets moved forward. I mean, 
I, I think I feel a bit harsh putting that on, on Danny Ward to an extent in the sense that Rashford's cut inside, he's turned Roberts inside out. His initial strike goes through, I think it's Mepham's legs or Rodden's legs, sorry. I think there's someone else in front of Ward as well, which doesn't help. Should he do better? Probably. But I, I think there's so much other stuff that's happened in the build-up to mm-hmm. that that I, I, I'm not happy yeah. p- putting that on Danny Yeah, that, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, I think the big question, <laughs> and it seems like a silly one, but do you, do you think there are any positives from, from this performance and this game? <sighs> not really. I mean, it was you could see that Alan... I mean, Alan made a difference. I think all it, it all it emphasised was how much we'd missed him in the first two games. Sadly, um, there was. I think the fact that we did go for the the four at the back, um, you know, and you know, I think we had to. It was a game we had to win, so I think that kind of forced Paige's hand. But I do think there's a. There's a framework in which the four at the back does enable us to be, I think, a team that puts better people in their better places at the front of the field. So I think there was a positive with a very small P there. Um, Ampadu had another, you know, another sound game. Um, and he's he's been our best performer over there. Um but really, there's very little to take positively from what was happening on the field in any of the three games, really, isn't there? Yeah, it's hard to disagree, really. Ampadu was the one for me. I thought he had a good game again. He's covered so much ground. He tries so hard to keep the ball, and he tries so hard to pop up and offer that out ball for the, for the defence as well. I just was so impressed with his maturity in a weird way when you consider his age, but... Um, yeah, he he was the only positive for me, I would say, and Alan to an extent. But I mean, he still gave the. He was he's certainly not himself. Um, and I think you can see there's a player there mm-hmm. who's scared to overstretch themselves. I, I felt that from from Ramsey uh, a lot of points in the tournament as well. He's scared to overstretch himself in case he hurt himself. I felt. Um, and whilst I understand the the self preservation angle of the situation, I I still don't think that that's you know it's it's not good for the rest of us, is it? Um, which is which was a shame. Yeah. Um, I I do just briefly want to talk about the 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 four two three one. I think he had to go for it. Mm-hmm. I think he had to do it. And I think, we, you know, we've mentioned this a couple of times. Uh, getting our best players all on the pitch at the same time is is not the easiest task. Uh, given we are wedded, it seems to the five at the back and and how it suits us. And you know, we've discussed a couple of times whether moving to a four in some guys is is better for us and gets our best players on the pitch at the same time. My big concern with with how we set up there is that we've played three group games at a World Cup after notionally finding a system that works for us to an extent and we changed it and then we changed it again and we Mm -hmm. went into the third game, we changed it again. And I know you can find reasons for all of those things. I know you can find excuses for them and I know you can can contextualise it all. I totally understand. However, at a point, you've you've got to go in and, and do what you are intending to do and I just, I'm not entirely sure with you know looking back at this i'm not entirely sure we actually knew what we intended to do i mean that's the bigger question really isn't it when you look at our record um over uh, over the last well 12 months 
yes, we won the important games. We beat Austria, we beat Ukraine, but that's all we've done. Yeah. Um, you know, that's what in, in the last 10, 10 games. It's only the Ukraine game that's in the last 10 games. Um, and I think that the question is we, we looked unsettled yeah. in every aspect of play, didn't we? We looked unsettled in terms of who's our starting eleven. We looked unsettled in terms of how do we want to play nine versus four at the back being the obvious question. Are we going for two holding midfielders or not? Are we playing the big man up front with Kiefer Moore? Are we actually, are we trying to be hard to score against and attack on the break? Are we pressing high or not? Are we playing to strengths? Are we actually putting players in the best position to play to strengths? All of those are live and active questions at the minute. And to go into a World Cup with that many things on your sort of variables table, then, then you're just not in a good place. You, get, you know, what we saw is evidence, or is, is, the, is the reflection of that being where we are. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that you can answer a lot of those questions if you want to, and I, I was I was watching the Belgium match today, um, mm-hmm. a terrible game of football. Um, as a, as a side note, but I, I was watching that, and the the commentator said when Romelu Lukaku came on, Romelu Lukaku, Belgium's all time top goal scorer, is coming on, and I thought to myself, I think that is a perfect demonstration of the situation we're in. Romelu Lukaku has not played much football this year. I, I think they referenced in the in the commentaries played half an hour or so recently. Um, he's, but he is Belgium's record goal scorer, and I think if you compare that to the situation with Gareth Bale, he is our record goal scorer. He's not far off played half an hour of football before this tournament started. Belgium benched Lukaku and brought him on if they felt they needed him for impact. And I'm not saying it's worked for them because they've got knocked out of the tournament as well. But I think it was just in that moment that sentiment almost that the Belgians didn't have, and you could argue that it hasn't worked for them, mm-hmm. compared to our sentiment where our plan was. Moore is probably the right person to start these games. However, I've got to get Ramsey Bale onto the pitch together at the same time. And as a consequence, I felt like that dominated our thinking in terms of mm-hmm. what our aim was. And I just and I and I just thought that that kind of summed that up perfectly. I think Gareth Bale will continue to start games until he decides that he doesn't want to anymore and he can't play for Wales anymore. And Okay, whether that's right or wrong is a question we'll come to in a little bit, but I think it's the principle of the fact that he feels undroppable and I don't think his performances have justified that status in the last, let's say, six games. I think that's probably fair. Um, And I'm not just singling out Gareth Bale. Mm -hmm. I'm just using that as an example of the situation whereby we've often thought, and you and I have talked about this a lot actually, do we play two up front or do we play three up front? And at the start of the tournament, we obviously had decided we were going to go for the three. Within 45 minutes, that had changed and that had gone and was out the window and we never really did that again. If we've decided that's how we're going to approach this tournament, to throw that in the bin after 45 minutes of a, of a three-game uh, tournament, it, it, that's, that's a concern to me. And I, and I just think, mm-hmm. I, I think Rob Page, I, I don't want to you know, slagging him here, but I, I think that he's on a real fine line here at the moment between how he handles and manages the the situation that's to come and you know the the elephant in the room is what do we do with Bale and Ramsey really but you know I think he's 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 treading a fine line in that regard I think yeah I'm 
mean, I think it's... I think the criticism aimed at Bale and Ramsey was inappropriate. And I didn't like the vitriol from some people around that. You know, did we expect two players who've barely been playing for their clubs to go in and suddenly be world beaters in this tournament? You know, that's that's unrealistic on our part as, pe- as people looking at, you know, people following it. Um, we obviously missed Alan, as we've touched on already. You know, if we're not playing Bale, does that mean we're playing Brennan Johnson? Did Johnson come on and change the situation against England? Not really. I appreciate the opposition is very good. But I can see how Paige wanted the maturity and experience of Bale and Ramsey on the field. I can I can understand that as a decision. I think it was a gamble. I think he took a gamble and it didn't work, Dave. And if it had, you know, if Bale had scored, I mean, I don't think, I can't recall a single free kick that he took with, you know, in any kind of offensive position in any of the three games. If if he'd have done, you know, had one of those against Iran, let's just say, you know, would we be viewing his contribution as differently? Um, I think... I think my main issue is actually around the system. The fact that we haven't got a system that we're that that we're adhering to. Oh, yes, you know, you, you, you're down a goal with ten minutes to go. You have you might have to do something different. But broadly speaking, you have a system, and then if if Bale can only give you forty five minutes, okay, he can only give you forty five minutes, and you put Johnson on, but you're playing the same system. And the same with Ramsey. If Ramsey can only give you 45 minutes, you put on Wilson and you play the same system. So people know what they're doing. I've got more concern about Paige's kind of smorgasbord of approaches than I have about the the personnel that we use, if that makes sense. I think think he gambled on Bale and Ramsey being able to come up, being fit enough to give us magic moments. The problem was we never had the ball enough. We never had control enough to actually then facilitate those magic moments. So that gamble didn't pay off. But the root cause for me is we don't know how we want to play. I think you're right. And I I don't want to labour this point. I I, I do think there's two things I I slightly disagree on. One is you say we can't expect them to come in, not be in match fit and produce magic moments. That has been Bale and Ramsey's modus operandi for about three years now. So, you know, they they have done those things, you know, and I appreciate the Hungary game. Everyone's a bit younger, but that still happened. Bale has still scored those goals against the Ukrainians, against the Austrians, having played, you know, 10 minutes. In, in in other places, so that, I, no, that, that's why I said, but that's why I think that was a gamble that Paige took, Dave, because it worked, and we just reached a point in these games where it didn't work. You know, you're walking that tightrope, and it's it didn't work. That's true, and I'm not saying it can't, yeah. and it has done. It just didn't this time. Yeah, I I get that. Um, my point more is, and I agree, I don't think the vitriol aimed at them is, is entirely justified because it's it's not as if we had nine other players who had fantastic tournaments and Bale and Ramsey didn't. So I agree they don't deserve yeah. that grief. And I think they've done enough for Wales over the years that they've justified, you know, if they have three bad games, they are allowed three bad games. I think the point I'm more making is 
is that I could have told you that that gamble wasn't going to work after the first game. Bale gave us his moment of magic. He gave us what is realistically the best moment of the tournament, and he still had a you know still didn't have a great game in that USA game. He did nothing against Iran, and he was anonymous completely against England. And it turns out, all right, he had a bit of a hamstring strain. He said, but my point there is is that I I could have told you after the first game I don't think that gamble is going to pay off to pay the both of them together mm-hmm. with what they weren't able to offer us that gamble that gamble wasn't paying off. And by the end of the second game the gamble 100% isn't isn't paying off. So as a consequence, I think, yes, it's not Balin Ramsey's fault per se, but I do think, and again, which I do agree with you on, is that Page's smorgasbord, as you used the, the, the term, to in, in terms of trying to plug all those players in and hope for the best, didn't work at any point in those three in these in those three games. And I think to go to go back to Page, I think I'm slightly concerned We've won one game in 11, and I appreciate there's context to that, and it's not black and white. And I appreciate the game we won is the game that got us there. And I'm not saying page out, but what I am saying is 1 in 11 is bad. Whoever your opposition is, mm-hmm. that's bad. I would also say that he's managed seven tournament games and won one of them. And at a point, I think we have to realise, and I think it's fine as well, but there is a level here of what he is capable of and what we are capable of. And I think whoever you want to point the finger at, so to speak, be it Bale, Ramsey, the rest of the squad, the management, the the manager himself, everything that's gone around it, the weather conditions in Qatar, blah blah you can find an excuse if you want one. I'm just saying that I feel like those two isolated statistics, I think a, 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 a bit of a, not a, a, a concern, well, yeah, I think concern is probably the right word. I think yes. that's a concern to me that, you know, We've been in these situations twice now, and I think, you know, relatively speaking, I I don't think we've put our best foot forward in both tournaments, especially so this time. Um, and I think that is something which is a big concern to me if we're expecting him to be the person who kind of in, induces change in our in our playing squad and and everything that goes with that. Yeah, I mean we're we're obviously in a transition. Um, and by definition, a transition is unsettling. And I, I, I'm not pretending that this is an easy road we have to travel. But I think by having a framework that, that the coaching staff develop and stick to, you are in a better position then to... Um, to weather the hurdles that will come because you're transitioning. Yeah. The um, if we if we don't have a and I think we do, but if we didn't, if we don't have players that are ready to come in to take over from the aging players, then that's on us as a as a as a sort of line of development within the within the setup and within the coaching team. Um, that's not the fault of the aging players. No, no, I, I and think I think two different issues there. I, yeah, I don't yeah. think there's anyone arguing that. No, 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 no. And um, but my, what I'm saying is, therefore, it's a it's a framework question, so that you can slot in the younger players as the older players need need the space and the time and need more recovery time and can give you 20 minutes off the bench, but not a whole game. You know, every team faces that problem. 
of phasing people in and out. And I think where we've made it difficult for ourselves while we're in this transition phase is that we we haven't got a set pattern that you can then say, okay, for argument's sake, Bale's going to pay 45 minutes and Johnson 45 minutes is what ended up happening in the England game. And in theory, those they should be reasonably one slot in for the other, you know, somewhat, but in open play at least. And then, but did we have a style of play that enabled that? Or were we actually just putting a relatively young, inexperienced player into a situation where he couldn't do what what we needed him to do? And I think that then you just exacerbate the transition issues then when you're not really giving people a, a good framework. And I think I keep coming back to the same point. I just don't like the fact that we don't have a plan. Fundamentally, yeah. we've got to have a plan. No, I think that's fair. And I do think that's the biggest thing here. You know, I, I mentioned at the start of this little discussion that we had three games and we had three different shapes and three different setups and three different lineups. Yeah. And, and that's a that's a worry to me. Um, and I think that mm-hmm. moving forward, that's something that we've got to address. I mean, it wasn't long ago we were saying to ourselves, what's our plan B? And all of a sudden I'm thinking, well, actually, I'm not really sure what our plan A is. I think that the, <laughs> yeah. the, the reality here is, is that you can't go into these games, these tournaments and whatever and... and and again, I reference someone, a friend of mine, Audi. He made this point, which was in that Iran game, we had two kind of central midfielders. It started off being Ramsey and Ampadu. And at a point, I wasn't sure if Ampadu, if Ramsey, sorry, was supposed to be sitting or pressing. And I think when you actually look back at that, and I think it shows as well, I'm not sure he knew what he was supposed to be doing mm-hmm. to an extent. So it was sort of like we tried to address the openness in midfield problem by just putting another body there rather than thinking, is this person the best person for that role? And I think that, again, is just... I think it's a combination of problems and exacerbates the issue around Ramsey in this instance where he can't mm-hmm. he can't do the things he used to. So asking him to do something which we notionally already know that he probably isn't fully Can't able to do, do yeah. is a problem. I, I think part of that is, 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 is Rob Page, obviously. Well, the biggest part of that is Rob Page. I think as a consequence of that and the players themselves, I think the players themselves have to address that and recognise that in their performances and step up into it and just weren't able physically or whatever to do that. So my, I guess what I'm trying to say is you're right. The plan isn't there. There is a, there is an issue there that needs to be addressed. But I don't think it's just that. I think there is one other thing to that which, which the players and, uh, also need to take responsibility for because right plan or wrong plan at the end of the day, there were just too many mistakes. Like Ramsey's ball control mm-hmm. and, and passing was, was really not great. Um, Joe Rodden, just to pick on someone else in the first game especially his passing was awful there, there seems like there's another thing there which is beyond Rob Page and I don't know whether that's management or confidence yeah. or whatever and again that's a whole other sidetrack I don't I don't particularly uh, want to go down at this point I guess what I'm trying to say is you're right I agree with you but I don't think it's just that one bit where it's that's the biggest thing that needs to be addressed I think there's enough other factors within that and I think the Ramsey Bale issue for, again I don't like saying it like that but that Ramsey Bale issue is, is a big part of that I think yeah I think the we can't pretend that there were many players that had good tournaments no. I mean Ampadu might be the extent of it frankly I mean I thought Mepham had a reasonable tournament Davies had a reasonable tournament I thought Hennessy had a yeah. good you know almost two games until the obvious um the and i think there's also dave because there's the context of 
how we've done over the last dozen or so games. I don't think it is just these group games. But also playing in these group games, this is hard. And we were in a hard group. And you've only got to look at what's happened to Denmark and Belgium to know that getting out of your group at the World Cup is difficult. You know, Ecuador, Mexico, they've got four points and not go through. Through Tunisia, have got four points and not gone through. I mean, the Germany game, that's about to kick off, isn't it? We'll, you know, we'll see what happens with them. Uruguay are having issues. Getting out of these group games at the World Cup is hard. And I, I think that's another factor in this big picture. If we'd have gone in with some reasonable momentum and it would just been how we performed in the world cup i think that would be one worry but we've got a track record of of concerns now and it's just been heightened by what's happened over the last two weeks yeah and and obviously we've been exposed in the Mm -hmm. at the highest table you know and james um who's galois in france one of the writers in our group he said it's it's sort of like you've gone onto legend mode in fifa you've just been promoted and and all of a sudden it's just like oh god um and 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 i and i and i feel that that there's an element of truth to that we've come undone against some better players and so better systems some more experienced players and managers and whatever and, and that's just kind of that's what's done for us. Um, Ruth, uh, let's, uh, let's try and be positive for a little moment, if we can. <laughs> it's easier said than done, I know. So with that being said, what would you say has been the, the highlight, if you like, of this, of this tournament for Wales? That's <laughs> from facetious, getting there. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I mean, clearly what's been happening um, off the field both in Qatar and at home and in other parts of the world for that matter. I mean, just seeing us on the world stage, we can't pretend that that's just not an, an amazing experience. Um, the, you know, the magic of the bus, the bucket hat, the ambassadorial role of the team, the staff, the fans. Um, and, and funny thing is like, I saw a video today, there was a steward after the game um, you know, chaperoning fans out of the out of the stadium, singing Amar Ahid, and it's, you know, he would have been a an immigrant worker in Qatar. What you know, that says something about the statement we've made about who we are. I understand that at the rugby at the weekend, there was a lot of the crowd wearing bucket hats, and there was a um a rent. They did a rendition of Amar Ahid before the game as well. I think this, you know. This a kind of strength of purpose and strength of character and who we are. I love the fact that we can manifest that um, on the world stage. And I, I clearly the the way we've been able to show what a nation that we are um, to such a big audience. That, you know that can only be valuable for us going forward. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think. Uh, you know, I, I think there's two facets to it for me. I, I think, in a in a weird way, I think Amor Ohid might actually be the single best thing, and I don't mean that in just the song. Obviously, its meaning is really important, but I think it's generated like a self awareness that Welsh people I don't think traditionally have. I, I don't think we actually understand and recognise without without getting to do too deep and meaningful here. I don't think we actually understand and recognise just how 
powerful our history is. And I think we also don't mm-hmm. really understand and recognize a lot of the time that it's okay to shout about your history. I think it's okay to say you've been, you know, pissed on by other people. And, and I think this, and it's, and it's okay to be annoyed at that. And I think there's, uh, you know, it, it's okay to want more. It's okay to want better things for your country. And I think this has highlighted this in a new way. And, you know, people challenging things around them. And I think what the, the representation of what Amorohid means has always been important. But I think when you're actually there and, you know, on this stage and what it represents and what, you know, has happened in Welsh history and all this other stuff, you actually see it in a, in a, in a literal, very, quite visceral way when you see all these people singing the anthem and people who've travelled over to Qatar and, 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 and what it means and, and what it stands for, I think, is taken on a whole new meaning in this, in this tournament. And I think that's so important. And we talk a lot about, especially with women's football, we talk about the impact that those girls have had on mm-hmm. women's football and probably just women's sport in general in Wales. But I think having highlight, having seen it, having, having seen it with my own eyes, you can't underestimate the importance of, of, of what has happened here. And what Amar Ohid is, is 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 signifying. I mean, I didn't know that about the rugby with the bucket hat. It, I I used to it used to annoy me years ago when I started going to Wales games that people would turn up to Wales games in rugby shirts because I was just like just buy one of the football shirts. It's, they, that's, they, they, you can do that, and it, it's because football wasn't the biggest part of the Welsh consciousness when it came to sport. Rugby was, and people would go to football matches on the side for something else to do, and now. And I'm not implying that this is fully gone 180, but that thing, that thing of taking that character, if you like, into rugby, in it being the football thing that's now the highlight, is is actually I think pretty amazing. It's pretty cool, pretty powerful, in fact. And I think that that again just signifies what impact these players have had on 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 the whole of Wales, really, and and, and on the situation. And I. I don't have any shame in saying this. After after the match on whatever day it was, Tuesday, um, I had, there was a group of us who went to the pub. Um, my mate Antsu, who, who came to Qatar with us, and his girlfriend Joy came, my wife, um, a couple of my pals were there. And um, at the end of the match, everyone kind of sloped away. And I just thought, I'm just going to finish my drink. I'm going to have a little five minutes. I'm going to look through Twitter and um, see what people are saying and just kind of... I don't want to say take the moment in, but, you know, because we'd just been beaten, but sort of take the moment in. And, and it makes you realise as well, you know, I appreciate I was drunk when I was texting you, Ruth, but I, you also realise what we do this for. You know, it's mm-hmm. great It's great winning football matches, and obviously everyone wants to win the World Cup, but there's 200 and something nations in the world uh, that play football, and only one of them gets to win it, you know. There's only 32 people who've got there, and 31 of those are going home empty-handed. You know that to be that one is, you know, I think there's only eight or nine countries who've ever done that in the history of football who've, who've been those one. So it's not as even as if there's a new winner every year. It's you know, it's it's a it's a big thing. And I started thinking, and you know, I got myself a bit upset to be honest. Well, it worked because the girls at the pub gave me a free drink, which I enjoyed, but. Uh, <laughs> But it's, you know, I, I, I was texting you and saying how much I missed watching games with you. And, and mm-hmm. that's, that's actually what this is about, right? And I saw a picture of 
Chris, who, uh, who I don't know if anyone listened to our uh, US special, uh, a picture of him celebrating the win with Iran with his mates, and they were all there drinking Miller Lite in the bar and all you know with all their kit on and everyone celebrating and smiling. That's what it's that's what it's about. And I, you know, I've had this brilliant experience of going to Qatar with you know one of my best mates from here and you know two of my best mates from home. You know, we've, we've booked to go to Croatia already in March. We were hoping to go to Turkey. This doesn't happen. You know, I'm, we're not going for the football. I mean, it's it, it's a good excuse. I, you know, I hope we win. But the whole thing of spending time with your mates and meeting new people and experiencing new things and traveling to new places, that's the real thing here, isn't it? You know, and I, and I don't want yeah. to be over-sentimental about it. But, you know, if you think where, you know, where you and I were when we started doing this in, what did we say, 2017? You know, mm-hmm. we, you know, for us to be five years on from that now, where we were, where we were two people who worked together, who watched a football match together once, and, and where we are now and what we've experienced together, football has changed that for us, right? Wales have changed that. Mm-hmm. This group of people have changed that for us. And that's that's just one example. So I'm waffling now, which is obviously the tr- tr- <laughs> tradition we do. on this podcast. <laughs> um, but I, I think the point is valid. and I And I think that, I can I can tell you that I I had an amazing moment when Bale scored that penalty against the USA and had that experience of being there with my mates and and the the celebration and the fact that Lloydie bless him took a video by accident of us all going mad you know those are moments you don't forget it was an amazing feeling but that's you know that's not what this is all about right you know if people mugging Wales off for going oh you've come, you you know waited sixty four years and this was the outcome it's just like I think you've missed the point lads um, yeah and and I think that's the the, the positive for me is that. This has happened, and I know it's like you said at the start. It's a bit facetious, but it's 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 still true. You know, if you'd have told eighteen-year-old me in the year two thousand, sixteen-year-old uh, me, sorry, in the year two thousand, that you know, in a couple of years' time, Wales are going to get to the semi-final of the Euros, the last sixteen of the Euros, and and again, to get to a World Cup, I would have absolutely laughed in your face. So you know the. The outcome of all of this is is something I think that's very very special. And okay, we didn't come home with a trophy, but you know, most people aren't. So um, you know, <laughs> as, as long as it's not England, then I think I don't really care. <laughs> <who> does. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's that's my best moment of the tour. And I just think I don't even know if I've answered my own question or not. There, but there you go. Um, to, 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 I don't I know if you want to say. I think it's there. an interesting kind of mental state, isn't it? It's like the joy. The joy of getting there and then the disappointment of the performance that that turns this into like a two-sided coin like a black and white kind of issue and it's it's not those two things are um well they're not equivalents for a start and then this is this is a it's like a community journey and if you're going on a journey you're going to hit Points where you've got to trudge uphill and the rain's coming down or like I've got here now, I'm stuck because I can't move because of the snow, you know, you're going to have those moments and then you're going to have those wonderful starlit walks on the beach, you know, and you're going to have all of the above. And I think we are we are journeying and we always have been journeying as a football nation. We're just in some of the better times on the journey at the minute. And I, I don't want to lose sight of, of that fact. Um, and and it's going to be a difficult transition, you know. We we like what is next for us? What what are we shooting for? What are we trying to achieve? Where are we going? Those are all real real questions. And I like the fact 
that our journey is continuing and we still have we still have questions to answer and and experiences to have and what's happened over the last two weeks doesn't change that yeah i think that's a great way to look at it and i think you know we also talk about this tournament as being three games it's not three games really is it you know it's it's a campaign that started ages ago you know and, and even just in this campaign you know we've had that low if you like of drawing at home with estonia um mm-hmm. we've had the highs of getting that result at belgium and you know the two unforgettable nights in in the Cardiff City Stadium against Austria and Ukraine which I will cherish forever you know those those moments are also part of this campaign and you're right it's, it's part of the rich tapestry of being a football fan if you're just winning all the time it'd be dull and I you know I, I spoke to my uncle Paul I've mentioned him a couple of times on here who's a who's a Man City fan and he said in a weird way he kind of prefers those days at Main Road when Man City were relegated and you, you went to the matches and you were always full of hope. And if you lost, well, you sort of expected that anyway. So you weren't that disappointed. When you won, it was like, Christ, this is the best day of my life. Whereas now you only expect to win. And the, the lows mm-hmm. are so crushing, you know, because nothing but victory now is good enough. Nothing but winning the league or nothing but winning the Champions League is good enough. And it, and it, I, I, know, I, I don't have a huge deal of sympathy, but... I can understand the idea that it, to an extent, takes the joy out of it in a way because your expectation, your hope is is so different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's important to remember that, you know, yes, we've had the upside. We've not even won anything, you know, and, and I, not that I expected to, but do you know what I mean? It, it, it's, 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 sliding, it's sliding doors, I think, with a lot of it. And um, Yeah, I, 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 to, to go back to the football before we just... You know, before this becomes <laughs> some kind of tear jerker, um, is <laughs> that is allegedly what we're here to do, yeah. but um, seldom works out that way. <laughs> but to to stick with a relatively positive twist, right? And I think all of the other points we've said are true. If you'd have said right that going into this tournament, and I and I appreciate there is a big but part of this, which is, but we okay. do have, we do have to bench the 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 Iran game just for a moment. If you'd have said, <laughs> if you'd have said going into this tournament that you're going to draw with the USA in the first game, game, but England are going to beat you in your last game, I don't think anyone would have gone. That's outrageous. I'm not having that. Da 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 da. I think mm-hmm. most people would have taken that as red and just gone. Yeah, well, you know, I, I I could understand that. I could go with that. There's the argument. I appreciate it was a bad decision against Iran, and, and you know. They were very late goals and we got a man sent off and, you know, Wayne Hennessy decided to become a UFC fighter for, for five seconds. Um, and, you know, there's a million other reasons. But there's also that element of truth to it as well. If you want to put a, a positive lens on it, maybe not a positive lens, but a predictable lens, I think there is that you, you can do that. And I, there's obviously still questions to be asked over the Iran game. But I also think that, you know, if you look at that from the outside, they've scored in the, what, 90, I think it was the 99th and the 101st minute, you again, I know we've watched the match. I know it's not as black and white as this, but, you know, if Kiefer Moore scores that early chance or Ben Davis, you know, hits that drive a little bit lower and the keeper doesn't quite tip it over and and that's not huge asks either. You know, I'm not asking for someone, you know, to have dribbled through 10 players and ripped their net off. Those are two feasible chances that happen. If that goes a little bit to the side of the keeper, everything else is still the same. We've still played the same way. Okay, maybe we haven't even got out of the group. The, the principle there actually remains the same is that it is still such fine margins at this top level isn't it and I and I'm and I'm not I don't want to escape the fact that we've made mistakes here but we also if you want to look at it in a slightly positive way 
there's two moments I've highlighted there. Brennan Johnson goes through against the US and he hits his shot straight at the keeper. Gareth Bale, you know, someone kicks his ankle just about before he's about to, you know, probably lob Matt, Matt Turner and, and win us that game 2-1. The, it's, it's these tiny margins. And if you look at it that way, okay, the performance isn't good enough in, in a lot of the cases, but you could also make the argument quite easily that we were also not a million miles away either. I'm not with you on this one. I'm not. I'm not necessarily saying I believe this myself to be true necessarily, but I do think I do think there's an element of truth in that. That you you know, a couple of things go ever so slightly differently. And I'm not talking crazy things here. I'm not saying we could have scored four goals against England. We should have won four yeah. three. I'm saying at nil nil against bloody Iran, we've we've missed a good chance there. At nil nil, Ben Davis has had a hell of a shot tipped over and if the keeper is just mm-hmm. one foot to the left or one foot to the right maybe that goes in uh, and you know those aren't uh, you know inconceivable things and you know then you know you're going into the England game with four points instead of one and then all of a sudden do we do different things I'm just saying again I think that hammering the point home I guess is that uh, you know at the top top level which is where we're at the margins are very very fine and it wouldn't it's not beyond the realms of possibility in that Iran game for those things to have gone a slightly different way. Yeah, I mean, you can't argue with it. You know, if, if Moore's chance in particular early in the game had gone in, I think it might have been a very different game. But we can't play it from butts. It's you know the results are, are what they are. I'm 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 more. I think I'm actually less concerned by the scores and the fact that we ended up with one point than I am about the performances. Yeah, I, yeah I four, think that's four, four points wouldn't have got us out of that group anyway. Um, so I think the... I mean, I understand what you're saying, Dave, in the sense that momentum in games is really important. And I think the the not being able to... Well, obviously not being able to take any of our chances cost us. But we didn't have... In front of goal, we didn't have any any luck but I don't think we earned that either I don't think we played well enough to hope that the run of the ball would go with us or Ben Davis's you know shot would be six inches in another direction I don't think we deserved that that sort of get out as it were no I, I think the point I'm making is more that it, I think that it would have a, it has a different impact and I know it didn't go in so we you know I'm just saying that the, the margins are, are so narrow is, is the point I'm getting mm-hmm. at. I think against other teams we can maybe you know you can maybe create more chances against teams of a slightly lower level. So if you miss one chance, it's not the end of the world. But in a World Cup, if you miss one chance, that's the end of sports. And again, you know, Romelu yeah. Lukaku has missed three absolute sitters this afternoon. I think that's a different question then. He's, you know, uh, he's missed two open goals to all intents and purposes. Well, three yeah. actually. But, you know, uh, then it's different there. I don't, you can, you, you, you've created your chances, you've just balls it up. Whereas here, again, I just think that margin is so narrow. But anyway, that was a, a vain attempt to positivity, which obviously you're not buying. Um, so, <laughs> not so, buying. so, uh, so let's let's move on before I st- you know, so I don't bullshit you anymore. Um, I think the I, I don't want to go too deep into this because again, I think this is a question for another day. Um, and people have probably heard enough of us over the last ten days. They're absolutely sick of the sound of us. So we're just banging on for another fifteen minutes about this is probably not helpful, but. Um, I think it's important that we kind of just reference a little bit the games coming up in March. That's obviously mm-hmm. when we play next. That's the Euros campaign qualifying starting. Baylor said he's going to be there. Um, I, I think Ramsey probably will be as well. Um, what do you want to see 
change from from between now and then what is the big let's say let's say you want to see one or two th- big things change between now and then what do you what do you see those things being a plan i just want a plan Dave. i want to know that we're going to be i don't know for argument's sake playing four at the back or five or we're going to be playing with Kiefer Moore up front or not and i don't care if it makes us predictable i want us to have 10 players on the pitch you know what they're doing from one game to the next i um you know it's a it's a group um the top two go through you look at the rankings where obviously you know should be the second place team in that group i think we have to we have to play like that. We have to play with a confidence of being in that position. I don't want us to get into the habit of second guessing ourselves and and not knowing what we're trying to achieve. I think we've been we've been better lately. Where, and not that we've had a good run of games, but I think we have been better when the sort of the situation has been clear and we've had to take control of it like we did against Austria and we did against Ukraine. And I think that's the important thing is that we, we, we take games by the scruff of the neck and we try and, and, and maybe we can't play that way against Croatia, but we should be playing against that way against other, the other teams in the group. And I don't want to see us being passive. I think that's, the, I think that's the, my biggest concern, a, a, a plan that has us being on the front foot and being not adventurous in the in the kind of crazy sense, but being determined. I think uh, I'm, mine is mine is similar. I think there's a lot of ifs and buts every time there's a Wales team coming out or a squad is announced or something like that. And I just think we need to address a couple of those things. I think I think we need to. I think we need to know who our number one goalkeeper is. And whatever the rights and wrongs of that decision are, we need to make a decision and we need to stick to it. Mm. For me, at this point, I think I would still choose Wayne Hennessy. Um, I, I I can't really tell you why. But again, it almost doesn't matter to me if, if Ward is the number one. I just think we need to make a decision and stick with it. I think we need to be rigid on whether we're going to play four at the back or five at the back and not every game we were allowed to change mm-hmm. I'm not saying that but I want I want to know that if we're going to go into a game that we're going to win I, gonna, I want to know that we're going to play four at the back and da 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 I mm-hmm. think I want to know whether Kiefer Moore is starting up front every every game because I think that's a key part of how we play and I think and this is the one that is the most hard for me to say out loud is I think we're at a point now where we need to move on from Chris Gunter, Johnny Williams, um, and, and a couple of those sort of players who are in the in the squad for for not football reasons. And I say that, and I know it's harsh, and I say that because young lads need to come in and and, and have time around the squad. They may not play, but they need to come in and have time around the squad. And for whatever Johnny Williams and Chris Gunter offer off the field. We are a professional footballing organisation now. They didn't play any minutes. At no point did I ever think they were going to play any minutes in this World Cup. 
And I'm not just, again, I'm not just picking on those two. I, I, I'm just using them as an example. I think, for example, I'm not sure. I think we need to be clear. I don't think Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey are both designated starters anymore. I think that that needs to be, a decision needs to be made on that and that kind of, well, not communicated to, to us as fans, but I think it needs to be made clear what the situation is and what the expectations are and what everyone's roles are and all that sort of stuff. And I know it's harsh, especially on Chris Gunter, who I adore and, and, you know, came into the crowd and literally walked into the stand and shaking hands with fans after the match. I mean, what what a guy, what a servant for Wales he's been. But, you know, time waits for no man. You know, same with Ashley Williams after the, that 2018 campaign. It's, it's, it's harsh, but he was gone. You know, we've not seen Joe Ledley again. <laughs> you, know, there's, you know, there's players like that who their time has been and gone. They haven't had a chance to say goodbye even, which is hard. But... I, I do feel we're at that time now that that treadmill has, has, has kind of run its course, I think, for a couple of those lads. And I think that's the thing I want to see now. And, it's, and, I, and I feel bad saying it, but I think I think time's time for a couple of them now. Um, I, th- I think just mentioning Gunter and, and uh, Johnny Williams, I, I think they were important members of this squad. I think it was important to have their, like, backstage leadership as it were at this at this tournament but they they you also need to give other players time to grow into what you might think of as the gunter-esque role yeah i mean the like the likes of connor roberts need opportunities to take on that kind of leadership um behind the scenes leadership i think that's important uh so i think there's a time when you make way because the understudies need time to, to, to develop as well. Um, I think, and actually, I think Johnny Williams is having a very good season. So it'd be interesting to see how that continues for him over the next few months. Um, the, the, I think the Bale and Ramsey question, I, I don't have an issue with them being in the squad you're assessing how their fitness is. Yeah. They become impact subs if that's the best thing. I agree. Or you just you just have them for their experience level. You have them because it when when they walk into the squad and the young guys see them, the, your chest puff up and it's like, yeah, we're this is a proper international team. We're at this level, you know. I think it's valuable to have them for that alone. And I do think they're still capable of impacting games. I, I think you're right. We might not be able to rely on them together, the 90 minutes, all out. But I don't think that means they can't be valuable participants in the squad and, and valuable participants on the field as well at times. Um, so I think ultimately I just want to see a little bit of... I mean, the Euros are only 18 months, well, a bit more than 18 months away, but I do think it's an op opportunity to start to integrate some of the younger players more than we have done recently and yes there are some very young players in the in this um camp um but we've also got an awful lot of experience i was looking at a chart and i'm going to get the numbers wrong but if you average the number of caps across our our squad relative to the other 32 squads we were like fourth or fifth on the list of the average number of caps per player. Yeah. So we have a, we have a very obviously a very experienced side, and I think we've got to be careful that we don't inhibit some of the younger players gaining that valuable experience. Which, you know, we go back to the Toshak and Flynn years. We have reaped the rewards of their bravery of putting these youngsters in young. You know, the players that we're now 
we now we now know have retired or are nearing their retirement. But we, I don't think we would be where we are if we hadn't taken that brave decision. And I think there may be some games that we lose coming up because we've got to blood some of these younger players. And I think we have to be accepting of that as well. Yeah, I agree. And I'm not suggesting it's wholesale changes either. I just think those no. those wheels need to start turning a little bit. Matt, <laughs> Matt Smith is maybe another one. And I, I know he's not an older player, but he's someone who doesn't really seem to kind of be utilised unless it's an emergency situation. Could that be where Ollie Cooper, for example, comes in and, and, and gets his time? And, um you know, just just players like that, and again, I'm not. I'm just using them as examples. I'm not picking on on, on Matt Smith, let's say, but um, I think those are the kind of conversations that need to be had and looked at. And I and I want to see some movement in that. And I think I'd be. I don't want to say frustrated or disappointed, but if if we just just pick basically the same squad that we always pick, I, I think we're at a point now where we need to have these changes. My only thing that I can see happening, which does worry me a bit, and I'm you know I'm over egg overthinking this a little bit, but I do wonder if he's thinking, as you mentioned there, the tournament itself is actually only 18 months away. By the time qualifying starts, it's only just over a year away. So he's, maybe he's thinking, if I can get through this tournament with the same bunch, then I can use the next round of Nations Leagues where we're, we're, you know, we're in the next division down, so things might be yeah. a bit easier. It, you know, Winning games is a little bit easier there when blood in some youngsters is a m- more viable thing. And there he starts the rotation. I'm... I'm I can see the logic in that. I'm not sure it's the best plan, but I, I can see the logic in that. I think that the wheels need to start turning a bit before that, though, is my uh, is my main aim. Um, Ruth, we've almost done an hour, so I think it's probably mm-hmm. time we, uh, we we think about wrapping up. We've accidentally, through our bickering, have, have, have answered most of the other points we said we were going to answer uh, <laughs> as, as we've gone through there. So um, the, the last thing we said is just a little summary uh, of the tournament as a, as a whole. I, I don't know if you want to go first on that. Um, I think, I think I have to keep coming back to the fact that we were there and we were involved and we made a statement about who, who and what we are as a place and who and what we are as a nation and who and what we are as a peoples. And I think that's, that's for me will always be the best thing that came out of this. I can, I can kind of put the football aside a little bit. I think the important, I think it was important that we took the opportunity to make a statement about who we are. And I think we've done that very well. Um, And yes, the football wasn't what we wanted it to be, but as someone who's not living in Wales, I can't tell you, well, you, you experienced this as well, just to see us kind of punching above our weight to be the smallest country that qualified to make a statement about, the type of place we want to be and the type of people we we are and yeah just all of that all of that stuff that evolves around here ice and just i will always be grateful that we've had these months since june where we've been able to kind of shout out about who we are yeah i think that's fair and i think mine is is very similar i think think back to i think was it may that we played austria april or may that we played austria mm-hmm. That's when this journey actually started, really, in my eyes. And I, you know, that brilliant day that we had in April, where we had a, you know, I had a cracking day on the beers with my pals. There was a big group of us. We haven't all got together for a long time, and um, it was amazing. And then to to relive that in in June, in that horrible rainy night in June, and 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 just have another fantastic day and meet people I haven't seen for a long time, and 
and laugh and cry and just remember why we love doing this has been amazing and you know it, i can't tell you how great it was ruth to be sat in um a bar in rotterdam on this little harbour with welsh fans everywhere every four seconds someone singing waka waka and <laughs> everyone bouncing about and jumping it like it's the first time they'd ever heard it in their lives it was amazing and that was a couple of days or, or so after the t- you know after we'd qualified and that high has not really dissipated since and the excitement of going to qatar and everything that has all carried through and the you know we went to went to brussels you know not so long ago and again we had a fantastic time there and singing songs and drinking beers and and generally having a laugh and that's what that's what you do it for and you know i've through this podcast we we're lucky that we've you know we've been able to speak to some great people we also met some great people and, and i you know i just think back to some of the people we, we've, we've been in contact with laura McAllister over the years and and you know we, i've met her in a couple of occasions in, in different parts of the world we had um uh, Aled, who's someone who, who listens to us, uh, come up to, to come up to us in in uh, in Rotterdam to say hi and have a bit of a chat to him. And people I used to I haven't spoken to for ages. I don't know if Mike listens, but a guy called Mike McAndrews to coach football with years ago. I haven't seen him for such a long time. And there we were, sat down in in Rotterdam, and he him and his son plonked themselves down on the table next to us, and we just start chatting. And we bumped into him in Brussels as well. And you know, this is what this is all about, really, isn't it? And it's not just been. 10 days or two weeks it's, it's, it's been the whole experience and to get to go out to Qatar and experience that m- moment with with some of my best mates was was just fantastic and uh, you know being able to mug people off my Scottish mate Tom who wrote a, a very funny piece for us uh, <laughs> if you haven't if you haven't read Tom's piece I suggest you go and find it um, but every time he's kind of given me any sort of grief about anything to do with sport I was just like oh Scotland getting on the World Cup qualifiers um, you know, and every time we've walked into the bar, the girls have put whacker whacker on for us just because they know it pisses Tom off. These moments and these, these experiences are stuff that is beyond the beyond the football, as I said earlier. And that's you know that is beyond these ten days, isn't it? It's it's just been amazing. And okay, like you said, we've not got the outcome we wanted, but we haven't had a you know haven't half had a laugh doing it. And I think that's uh, <laughs> that's just as important to me as uh, as anything else. Anyway, there we go. Before uh, before we all fill up. Uh, again let's uh, let's wrap this up Ruth as always thank you very much for your time it was great to speak to you thank you okay bye bye folks bye bye and we'll be in touch we'll, I think we're probably going to have some kind of well July down I think Ruth I mean, we've never podcasted this much in our lives um, so we'll be back soon <laughs> don't know when but uh, we'll be back soon but thank you very much in the meantime for listening oh I almost forgot um, if you want to support us please do so please go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Coleman's Dream and support us there we've had another couple of donations and support this week which we're grateful for equally we are supported uh, by Bagsy uh, so please go to bagsybags.com and use the code CHAD10 for 10% discount where uh, you can buy a brilliant collection of jumpers t-shirts bags mugs all sorts of different stuff especially with christmas coming he's got some great festive stuff around the corner as well so please go to bagsybags.com use the code chad10 to get a 10 percent discount there you go uh thank you very much everyone for listening and we'll be back soon bye-bye bye-bye